lovely people. You have your favourite duo. It's Diane and Jerry. You are back on another episode of the Nursing Handover podcast. Hope you are all doing mighty fine today and hope you are all well. Yes, we're coming at you with episode 21. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we've reached a new rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're oiling the, was it, what are we oiling? Oiling the tyres? Or whatever, yeah, trying the tires, but yeah, we're kind of like in in it now, we're right in the thick of it now. Yeah, we've been going for 21 episodes, and you guys have been riding with us for the last 21 episodes. Do you know how amazing that feels? Like, thank you so much, guys. Thank you very, very much. So, Diane, how are you? I'm all right, you know, doing what I do. Learning, working, the usual, and yourself? I'm good, thank you. I've just been dealing with a lot of, I don't really know how to describe it, work stress-ish, but not really from work, just a bit of life, a bit of everything. Things I'll go into in a little later on, but yeah, I'm just happy it's finally over now. Good, 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 good. So, I think talking about, I guess how Gigi's feeling about work stress, I guess we're going to talk about, I think today's episode will centre about something that she's experienced recently. Yeah. And something that's happened a while ago. And I guess how things can come back Yeah. later on and how you deal with them. It's for sure. So when you, what, when you see the title of our episode today, In the Dock, you need to listen so you can understand why we're saying in yeah. the dock. And like, before anyone jumps out at me, this is literally just a personal redaction, I guess, of my own history of events, how things have happened, how it's all taken place and how to prepare yourself for being in such situations. Definitely. Um, one thing before we let Gigi take the floor, and um, we'll make it very clear to everyone that's listening, that of course... Um, Nobody will be identifiable when yeah. the story is shared. Um, this is a safe space. The whole point of us sharing real-life observations, things that actually happen, is to give everybody that's listening an in-depth view of what we actually do. Yeah. Um, good, the bad, the uncomfortable, the great, the not-so-great. Yeah. Um, Gigi obviously is going to give it to you as, as raw as it can be, I guess. That, you know, it, it is what it is situation. Um, but I would definitely say this will probably bring a lot of questions. I know I'm really interested because I haven't had this experience before. Um, but yeah, so just take time, have your tea, relax, have your headphones in, whatever you do when you listen. And yeah, Gigi, I'm going to open the floor to cool. you. So before I start, honestly, guys, if anyone has any questions, feel free to hit me up. Again, I'm not the best. I've only been through this the once and hopefully one time only. Um, Amen. But I'm happy, more than happy to go into it, go into it in a bit more detail if you just drop me a line. So guys, I went to coroner court. What can I say? So, so first to... of all, Gigi, before you carry on, what is so what is a coroner for those that maybe don't know what the coroner is? Oh, let me find an actual term for coroner. Every time so I start coronavirus comes up. Mate, and yeah, guys, corona, not corona. Corona so, court. 
A coroner inquest is an inquest. An inquest is an investigation into the death which appears to be due to unknown query violence or unnatural causes. The purpose is to find out who the deceased was and where, when and how they died. And the coroner is obliged to investigate the death, which is not obviously natural. Okay, this puts me in a bigger predicament. Um, but yeah, so that's the meaning of a coroner's inquest. So this was a case that happened a year or so ago that led to a death of a young baby. Um, and the nature of the events, I'm not sure if I can necessarily go into the specific case, but I can talk about... Like an, like an overview. Yeah. yeah. So basically, like this baby had come into A&E had been with us for a few hours, deteriorated, got better, then went into cardiac arrest. So as you would do for cardiac, for cardiac arrest attempts, you follow the APLS guidelines. And for those who aren't medical, um, sorry, I just went blank. APLS stands for advanced. Why am I getting my thingies mixed up? Wait, APLS? BLS, but pills or BLS? No, APLS, Advanced um, Pediatric Life Support. Yeah, there, there we go. APLS, Advanced Pediatric Life Support okay. um, Sequences. So, anywho, as the child, for any child who's deemed as a child, any death that is not um, expected will always go to the coroner's. It won't necessarily always go to coroner's court, but parents can request for it to go to coroner's court if they see fit. So mm-hmm. in this case, the parents had pushed for this to go to to had to. Oh, I'm sorry again. Sorry, guys. The parents had pushed for this case to go through the coroner's court, which is fine. It's entirely up to them. So after this has happened, say this has happened about a year ago. Like a good five, six months later, my colleagues and I who were involved um, basically were hunted down to create a personal statement because the parents had requested it, requested the, their child's death to go for an inquest. So even in writing my personal statement, I've never had to write anything like this before. You basically have to outline who you are and whatever your designation is slash was at the time of the child's death, explain literally everything you could or what you could remember from that day and that incident, you have to be very clear cut. So I'm not sure if anyone's ever been to some sort of tribunal or court in relation to health, X, Y, Z. They literally scrutinise everything. They look at all your notes, go through it. Literally, they pick out everything. So if there's a word they don't understand, they'll ask you, what does tachypnea mean? You have to be like rapid breathing or tachycardia, fast heart rate, like they literally pick out the nitty gritty things as much as possible to quiz you on. They also quiz you, maybe quiz is not the right word, they also discuss with you or ask you questions about what happened, what you said. Um, they note, they won't necessarily bring up what other people who were involved have said, but the storyline has to, has to correlate. So, for example, the thing that the theme that they picked up for me and my other nursing colleague who was involved was that they said 
the care of the child was transferred quite a lot. However, if you work in any department or really truly anywhere, we all go for broke. So we I documented that I covered, for example, let's use a pseudonym and say I covered Lisa for break. Lisa covered me for break. But they were saying, why would you ch- why would you change who the carer was as this is not what's the word? What like consistent? That's it, like consistent care. So you have to explain like, well, I can't be at the bedside twenty four seven. Like I've got to go so just, I've got to take other just so just to intercept. Um, so a number one, um, if you're non-medical, most children do not die of cardiac arrest; they die of respiratory. No. Yeah. As I know, so a cardiac arrest in a child is very like, right. like yeah, like something it's, else. It's, it's quite on. rare. Yeah, there's usually an underlying issue why the child has died of a cardiac arrest. So that's the first thing. Um, number two, like I know we've kind of gone straight to like um the the court case and how it came about but how was it for you when that this actually happened because though it was a year ago and you had to now recount it and write things down in the moment what how did you feel in the moment because that specific child had been in the department all day it's like we'd all be built a rapport with the baby and the family okay um and it was quite painful i can honestly say that's probably my most traumatic cardiac arrest I've ever been to and I've been to quite a few not saying that they're easy to get over or anything like that not at all but this I think was definitely the most traumatic because I'd spent so much time with the family Mm -hmm. and I it's weird that whole day I can remember minute by minute like I can't tell you you know, at this specific time, X, Y happened, but I can remember all the events that took mm. place on that day because of how traumatic yeah. it was for me. Um, people feel differently about the case. Straight after, we had a, deb- a hot debrief at work and then later had a cold debrief, which was pretty helpful. But again, something is personal to everyone. Yeah. And I think just the way it happened was very very unexpected painful unexpected definitely unexpected um are are you able to say what the child presented with or you can't no no i can say what the child presented with again it's just just normal stuff mum had basically said like the child attended a e with like a cough cold type picture had been to see the out of hours gp and her own gp and thought you know what the baby's not getting any better Mm. I'm just gonna bring him to the hospital. So, like her observations and stuff were within normal limits, apart from her respirate. And for anyone who's not medical, respirate is your breathing rate, and hers was elevated. But because of the history that Mum had given me, was expected. I asked, yeah, I asked for one of the doctors to have, do a chest assessment. And by what I mean by chest assessment is essentially just listening listening to the chest to see if there's any immediate treatment that we need to do, which would have been normal for anyone that comes in with any sort of like respiratory condition. Yeah. Or exacerbation. So looking back in retrospect, or hindsight, I should say, everything that we did for that family and that child 
we would have done for everyone. I don't think there was a delay in care or anything like that. And I think that mm. was something else that, you know, during current, during the court proceedings was one of the things they wanted to find out. And yes, the baby did die of a cardiac condition, an undiagnosed cardiac condition. We were never to know. Like this was the first mm. time she attended our Amy. So if she's attended any others, we wouldn't have those notes anyway. Yeah. But. And then also as well, I think it's worth noting for anyone that doesn't work with children, children deteriorate very quickly. Yeah, and I think and a lot of people they're, don't they're very this. strong, they're very resilient and they can look very, very well but be very poorly. Yeah. And it's a split second. It's a minute of oh, she's not feeling well to come here now, the child's not breathing. Like they're very rapid in deterioration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I can definitely attest to that. You know, you can look today, and then in an hour, they look like crap. And you're like, yeah. what the hell's this happened? So like when I like this, when I attended um, court, that was one of the things to ask. I was like, since you were the initial nurse that saw the child, did I think the child warranted to go to recess straight away? And I said no because I didn't think the child did. The child yeah. was happy playing with me in triage smiling at me while I was taking her observations I wouldn't say there was necessarily anything wrong yeah because mum had had clearly come in for a reason but I'd say Mm -hmm. the child's presentation and that's what you go off alongside the odds exactly yeah definitely like the baby looked happy there was no way I was going to send the baby home don't get me wrong but the baby looked happy as well your clinical judgment yeah is what you rely on and also common sense you're not going to build a picture of something that's not there yeah so what else happened? But yeah, so, uh, I was I was gonna ask you how many of you went to court? The team, the whole A and E team, or no? Um, so it was mainly just people that had document had main documentation on this child's notes. So okay. our team, it was me, another nurse, and three doctors. So two okay. regs, two registrars, and a consultant pediatrician. Right, and who prepared who prepared you guys for court or for so, yeah? Who prepared you guys? Our trust got a, a a trust barrister, so we'd had a few meetings. So this particular inquest should have happened months ago, but due to Corona, it couldn't take place when it was supposed to. So it had been postponed. Mm. So we had had quite a few meetings. Um, I would again because Corona happened, you couldn't really meet in person, ask certain questions, but you could contact the barrister and speak to them on your own as such. I think just because none of us had been through this, everyone was a bit taken back. Like, what do we need to do? What do we need to say? How do we say it? X, Y, Z. Um, but the mm. trust did really well, so we had a lot of like telephone meetings and um, around it. Luckily for me, I was still working in safeguarding, so my line manager gave me a lot of time and a lot of supervision around it which I personally found quite useful around mm. the situation and because she was aware of what was happening you know they kind of took it easy on me around that period of time um I also did contact my union this is why guys I I can't stress this enough please 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 make sure you join a union because for things like this you should have your union involved however Due to the way things have happened, my colleague and I weren't able to have a union rep with us because mm-hmm. of how short notice the turnaround was for yeah. this particular 
date. However, they knew they they gave us a lot of information, a lot of prep, and also luckily for me, on our pediatric ward, we have a nurse that used to work as a coroner's nurse. So okay. prior to the first date, she sat down with me and my colleague and went through the steps that would happen, roughly what they would ask, how to answer it, what you need to do, <coughs> um, things like that. So in, t- in terms of preparation, I can't honestly say whether it was enough or not because I've never been through this, but it was but saying enough. That, but saying that though, I guess you can never be really ready. I guess you can yeah. be prepared to the point of, this is what's going to happen, this way you're going to stand, this is what's going to be asked of you, this is your statement, this is what you need to write, um, going over it over again, make sure you, you, you know what you wrote, you know it well, I guess. Yeah. So I think, yeah, as you like, said, I think the hardest part, if I'm honest, was probably writing the personal statement. The only personal statements I ever had to write are for jobs. So anytime I'd written it and I sent it to the to our legal team they sent it back to me like no Geraldine you need to structure it like this you need to add this you need to do that um it has to be written in a certain way and it's like bullet points to keep it quite short and sweet even though it was still quite long just so that you've got like mini subjects so that you get what you need to say as soon as um and I'd probably Mm -hmm. suggest when situations like this happen it's probably worth writing a reflective account just for yourself. Just I was so just going to say as well, like as like pointers for the future. Yeah, like if, God forbid, I don't want to ever have to go to coroner's court again. But if I had to, I think whatever the situation was, I'd like to make sure I was probably a bit more prepared in terms of whatever that day may have been, even if it's just writing notes on my phone with no, obviously with no patient identity, ident- oh, why can't I say this word? Identifiable information yeah just to keep bullet points because you they could you don't know when they could call you and sometimes like for us they called us months later before we even knew this was going to court yeah and i I guess go on i was gonna say i guess when you think about it if we're gonna put it in the parents perspective you've just lost the child unexpectedly you're grieving yeah so once that process is finished it's now trying to look for answers so you can have closure yeah. So that could also explain why these things take a long time. And also, you know, there could also be an element of, do we want to know, should we find out, how do we go yeah. about it kind and of thing. I think me and my colleague that attended, this is something we spoke about and none of us have kids. And I don't know what, it, as painful as I imagine it would be, I still don't know what it would be to lose a child. And I wouldn't wish it upon my enemies. Like, I, Yeah. But I totally get they want answers and, you know, you want to find out if there was anything that could have been done to save your child. And there's no right or wrong way about this. It's just essentially once you've started it, initially seeing it all the way through and hoping that it gives you a bit of closure. And for some people it does. And I think for some people also opens another kind of worms. Like, is it me? Have I done something wrong? And I don't... The what we were told and the role of the coroner inquest isn't to point blame it's to essentially look for the findings that led to that particular child or adult's death because mm. i think sometimes we get into like i found myself telling my like my partner the day it happened like 
maybe I didn't do this well, maybe I should have escalated, or should have done this. But then looking back, there isn't, everything I did was accurate within times and stuff like that. There wasn't Mm. anything I I personally did incorrectly. And I don't think there was anything that my team did incorrectly. It's just an unfortunate event for that particular child and family. Mm. Um, Go on. What would you say you've learned? What lessons have you taken away from the experience? Probably write more reflections. One, for mm-hmm. sure. Like, I am, I'm a person that struggles because I know I've got friends that find it easier to write a diary, not necessarily every day, but just jot things down. I'm not one of mm-hmm. those people, but I think when certain things like this happen, it's probably wise to. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably being more compassionate because I think I'm a compassionate person, don't get me wrong, and I think I do my job my job very well. However, looking back at the evidence that was sent to us, mum um, mm. made a comment about how I said something, and to me, I didn't mean any, any harm or any malice with it. Mm. But sometimes I think thinking about how things are said and what we say to our patients and their vis- and their relatives could mean a lot mm. more to them than it does to us. So I think being compassionate in that setting and just being mm. quite mindful of the way that we say things. Mm. Um, because, well, you could test and quite a, and pretty much all my colleagues could test. I'm, I'm not a person that tends to be rude or will be rude. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're in my department and you're causing chaos, you will be out. I'm not going to stand for people being rude to my staff or, or, other, or other patients. However, in such situations, I understand that sometimes people, we can all be a bit short with people, whether it's our colleagues, family, patients, whoever. But after reason, like mum's account of events, it's just a bit like, oh my gosh, I, I never meant it in that way. Or I never meant was to it, say. Was it hard to listen to her account? No, this, so this, these were all paper records. We weren't able, because of Corona, we weren't able to sit through and listen to everyone's accounts. So we all went in one by one. No, but I mean, as in like, so you got to read them? No, so they asked us not to read our personal statements, just to give so an not your So not your, so what mum wrote, did you yeah. read it or did you hear her say it? Oh no, I read it. So these were given to okay, us. Okay, like, so yeah, so I was going to say, was it, hard to, was it hard to read what she wrote? Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, I can understand it's from her point of view and what she's seen. Um, it was quite difficult to read. Like, as the story went on, I don't want to call it a story, but yeah. As the account went on, yeah. As the account went on, reading the chronology, it's just little things that she's picked up, like, oh, like, we were, where this person had been quite friendly towards me, they've gone a bit cold, like, there's people not telling me what's going on, X, Y, and Z. Um, mm. And I think that's probably but it's one the of the hardest and things of the event, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's probably one of the hardest that's what things it being like. a nurse because regardless whether you're based in A and E or based wherever, you build a rapport with patients, whether you like to admit it or not. You do whether you, they're a long stay or on a ward, or they're in A and E for hours. Like you, you do, you build that rapport with families, and. Um, I think sometimes 
we don't realize when we are hiding things from them because obviously you may doctors may tell us things and be like i don't i haven't told the parents yet so you try and your absolute hardest not to but sometimes that can come across as more of a of a negative than a positive if that makes yeah. sense yeah i think i can understand that because i know in niku there's moments where you have mdts or you have huddles or you have meetings yeah or it's discussed and it's like that baby is not going to make it like we should stop care yeah but, but then they, they haven't have the yeah and it's very guilt it's a very painful feeling personally for me i find it very painful because a lot of parents are very hopeful i think every parent who has a child is so hopeful that their child will make and survive anything no matter what they're facing yeah so as you you said i don't think you are aware as a practitioner how your body language changes yeah or how you suddenly change demeanor because you're kind of in how can i say protective mode for yourself because you're thinking i don't want to tap into this level of emotion i'm at work i'm professional yeah and I guess you become very task focused because it's now not about you, mum. It's now about the baby in question. Yeah. And we need to try and do everything to keep on top of what's happening. And it's true. Your energy does change because it's no longer about, it's still holistic, but the energy is directed at the sick child. And I guess you don't have the time, unfortunately, to give to mum and reassure mum. Yes. I mean, as much as you're trying, I guess, too, but then, as you said, that's the thing about being a paediatric nurse. You're trying to care for everyone. Yeah. And it's pretty difficult because the child or young person is your main priority. Yeah. Yet you've also got family members and, and carers that you need to also involve in that care. Yeah. So I think reading mum's account, it was quite painful for me to see that someone had perceived me in that way because I'm not that person. Yeah. But could you see it like, you know, like a trend where from the start of, from let's say from the minute they've arrived up until as things are getting worse, her her perception of the situation is changing. Her perception of the team is changing. Like the peaks and troughs are evident in what she's writing. To an extent, I think like thinking about it from like what I would determine as a mother's perspective, and like my expect and my perspective as a healthcare professional, I can see the little things that you do, but then I think we were also quite honest to an extent with mum. Mm-hmm. And like we were like you'd make jokes, you'd make do you get what I mean? Like Mum had brought her in after a, a numerous amount of days that she was deemed unwell. Mm-hmm. And like once the doctors had some sort of inkling, they did discuss it with mum and dad at that mm. time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there was parts that we left out. Obviously, I think when the poo hits the fan, certain yeah. things are left unsaid, and sometimes it's just better that way because you don't you don't want to scare anyone into thinking the worst is going to happen. And I, yeah. I don't think any of us thought this would this would have been the outcome. Mm. like I can honestly say you don't plan for cardiac arrests anywhere they just I mean in a child it's like yeah very rare like I wouldn't say well like a never event almost yeah it is so a child to cardiac arrest is usually outed as a cardiac problem there has to be something wrong underneath all of that and this was something that had gone undiagnosed and and her 
diagnosis that was found later, the only way she would have survived is having a heart transplant, which that day was never going to happen. Yeah. And I, so, I, I almost say, I don't, I don't want to take away from the parents or from the story, but in a way, as sad as this is going to sound, and I don't want to sound horrible, is that this would have presented itself at some point in this child's life. Yeah, no, 100%. If, it was, if not now, when it happened, sorry, then, <clears throat> or in a few years' time, it was going to present itself. Yeah, it just needed, essentially... A minor illness to act to kickstart it, exactly. which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. But that could happen to any of us. For all we know, there could be, God forbid, something else in us. We get a cold, and you know, that's yeah. it. Knock on effect. So it's been quite daunting. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I haven't. Prior to the date, I hadn't been sleeping because I just didn't know what it was going to be like. And, like, yes, you can view Corona Courts online and stuff. Not live, but you can see, like, for example, on the RCM page, they've got, like, an interactive page that can show you around a coroner's court what it would be like. But legit, like, in my head, I'm thinking I'm going into, like, a jury. I'm sitting somewhere, like, in power, testifying that my innocence, I did all I could. Mm. Because that's the only courts that we see. It wasn't like that at all. It was probably, it was a big room. And it was set out like court, like, you know, the person that's given a witness sits afar, the coroner sits at the head, like where the judge would be, the barristers and then the family at the back. But it was okay. And you also have to like swear an oath or affirm an oath. Which wow. I know it's probably formal. Obviously it is formal, but like. Yeah. I guess it, it, it brings home the importance of, documentation the importance of how serious the jobs that we do are I think sometimes that you know because we do a job and we do it every day and you do it and you you eventually you do it and you do it so much that you know it so well you know it inside out but it's almost like an element of you're always being watched no matter what happens whether like there's always somebody there there's always somebody recounting what's going on there's always somebody looking and you have to be held accountable at some point in your career it may not be in a coroner's court it could be in a debrief. It could yeah. be just amongst colleagues. It, yeah. it could be in a resource situation. It could just be in a normal every day. You know, somebody can ask you, why did you pass the NG tube like that? Yeah. It's, it's that accountability that you have as a professional. And I think, you know, that's why I feel like our jobs are so important. Why they our really jobs are. deserve so much more respect because that's a lot of pressure. You know, for somebody to call you up one day and say, oh, hey, you know that patient a year ago that died? You're going to court. Honestly. honestly. I can just imagine it flashing before your eyes, like, oh, my God, like, you go straight back to the scene of the day. Like, you go back to the day and you reenact it in your mind and you think, my God, I have to talk about this again. Yeah. I have to, I have to recount this. I have to try and remember, because I can remember, what did I do? Did I do it right? What are they going to ask me? You know, and I kind of feel like people don't realize as nurses how much we have, how much responsibility we have. Our pin is our life. Yeah, like you don't want to lose it. If you lose your pin, game over, you're not a nurse. Yeah. And you, you would know, have spent so I, many years getting to that point, working up your career, X, Y, and Z, to mm. suddenly get what? Lose your pin and you can't train anymore. No. Yeah. 
but I definitely say it's been a very eye-opening experience. It has been long-winded, and again, only down to Corona because this should have happened a long, long time ago. But, yeah. but, but then, do you also think it's also given you time to process it, though? It kind of came, and you kind of had to prepare quickly, but I, it, you knew it was going to happen. You knew yeah, like it was we always come knew around. there were provisional dates set for when this should have happened. However, the confirmation dates, for example, like say. Say we had to go to court on Tuesday. They told us Friday that it was definitely okay. going ahead. But like, yes, we've been talking about this for a long time, but like the the provisional dates within the team, we'd contacted to find out is it actually going ahead? Because initially they said that it was going to happen via Teams, um, the logistics of things, and no, like we had to attend in person. And this particular coroner's court was way out in the sticks. Like, it wasn't even in London. So people had shifts. They suddenly had to rearrange because we only got confirmation a few days before and stuff like that. So it's been been a big eye-opener, I can say that. And I think documentation, 100%, is something I've always been hot on because I've been afraid to ever end up in coroner's court. Now I'm here. But... Honestly, if you don't document, whether you write it retrospectively or not, honestly, your documentation will save your life. Because as we all know, if you didn't write it, it didn't happen. Yeah. So whether it's retrospect or, retrospect, or you're using someone else's login, remember to sign it with your own name, your own designation, the dates and times. And if it is retrospectively, make sure you write that it's retrospectively. Because I think another thing that came from the inquest is we were being asked a lot why didn't we document it in real time however we work in AME you can't document certain things in real time your patient means more than the computer system mm. so whether I've got a piece of paper in my hand and I'm writing notes down I still haven't got the time at that moment in time when that child or adult is deteriorating to now say stop guys I'm gonna write it online so your documentation mm. is key absolutely key and also your timings so when if you do have to ever write a personal statement um depending on what your trust says if you can essentially go back and reread your own notes on that specific child or person's documentation i'd say please do because they they get as picky with times so for example my colleague had written the time wrong of the child's death and they quizzed her a lot on it. Like, you said the child died at, for example, 5 p.m. However, everyone else has written that the child died at 7 p.m. Like, little oh things God. like that, like, they pick up. Even down and to also, grammar. I guess, and I also think, again, flipping it around as a parent sitting there is a bit painful because it's, like, it's wrong. The time was written wrong. And then I guess it, it's, a, it's a, like, a, how can I say, like, Parents, in that situation, I can't imagine that kind of pain, but hmm. you're thinking so many things. Yeah. And I think in that moment, they don't know what to think. They're probably in shock. They don't know what's happened. And I guess if the accounts don't match, then there's a doubt. There's That doubt creeps in, and that's when I guess you're exposed in yeah. a way of the judge is trying to pick at something. Yo, it's nothing. It's an innocent, I just got the time wrong. Well, I yeah. just don't recall it. it was a year ago. I just don't. I know the child died in the afternoon or in the evening, but I just can't recall the exact moment. 
yeah and I think the one thing regardless like you're gonna have to swear an oath whether you like it or not but Mm. if you don't know something don't make it up just be honest and say I don't know yeah there's no harm if you were to say I don't know or I can't remember because it's not like you went to court the day after it happened exactly you've gone to court like nearly 18 months later who's to remember exactly what had happened exactly so don't feel any shame if you don't remember but then I think this is this may be where writing a reflective piece comes into good use and probably good practice just like for your own for your own learning and also if you are ever called up to take the stand because it is daunting as hell I think luckily for us our coroner was actually quite nice from what I was told you've got some that can be quite harsh and quite picky with everything else so we got lucky Mm. so I would say like a takeaway for any newly qualified I'd say anyone that's training to be a student nurse any seasoned nurses any other health professional um key thing is documentation documentation Um, reflection writing also sometimes putting yourself in the shoes of your own patients clients service users Um, yeah i mean yeah i mean one of the part of the 60s is being compassionate yeah and obviously being caring and i kind of feel like sometimes in the moment people forget that this is somebody's real life this is their life this is their child yeah like Like, in the moment at the end of our shift and essentially not necessarily forget but you know switch off whereas this parent this family whoever is going to have to live with this forever yeah it's painful like as somebody who's well i haven't lost a child sorry but my parents have lost a child it's a pain that doesn't end it's very deep pain it's a pain that affects your whole life and i kind of feel like as you said because as a professional you're in that person's life for what however many hours and you walk out of that life you step in and out of people's stories yeah and you don't know what you leave behind no and I think um, one of the things that I've picked up out of nursing, and this is probably from the experience of like other seasoned nurses who are more seasoned than us, is that patients, service users, whoever, remember us. But because we come into contact with so many different people, we don't remember them. Like I've, I've met nurses that I've worked with that have been like, patients have come up to them in the supermarkets and been like, you've looked after my son. You looked after me when I was sick. Do you, like things like that. Like we won't remember them because we come into contact with so many people whereas Mm. we play such a vital role in their lives yeah definitely and you know I kind of feel like another point I said apart from documentation and reflections is to debrief big time Um, especially if you see something like this this is a very big thing this is can affect you in the long term in the short term but it's going to have an impact on you yeah and I definitely think, I think, like, my list of things when going into an inquest, the moment you're called up, one, speak to your union rep or contact your union and find out what support they can give you. And most of the time, or 98.9% of the time, they can usually attend the inquest with you. Second, I definitely say documentation. Documentation for everything, whether it's your OBS whether it's your nursing notes, anything you do, or whether even when it's cleaning the wound, documents, because 
if it's not written down, it hasn't happened. In line with documentation, number three, I definitely say, so certain, when certain things like this happen, write a reflection. Even if it's just jotting down bullet points, write it because I never thought I'd get, I didn't think I was going to get called up to an inquest from a child death. But this can also happen for adults, vulnerable people, vulnerable children, all sorts. This can even happen, not, not necessarily a coroner's inquest, but there's other inquests that can take place for people who have gone through other situations that health might be also involved with. So reflections and documentation. I say fourth, I think you need a good support system. Like when such things like this happens, you need to know that your team's got you and not just necessarily your team. Like when you go home, you're not taking the pain of that death with you. And it's hard for me to say this, like each whatever type of event that leads to some sort that leads to death in a way is difficult I'm, I can't tell anyone how to grieve whether you're the whether you're a family member or a healthcare professional working with them like for me I cry every time that's just my way of coping with it but no one can tell me that that's wrong because that's how I deal with certain situations so be like and if I didn't have my support system slash my work support system and my home support system, I'd be a right mess. Mm. So and I think go on. Just to add, I think it's important for people to understand is that as much as nursing is an amazing career, you're going to see a lot of life changing things. Yeah. And um you know, as I think Gigi mentioned before, you see a lot of dramas, you see a lot of TV shows, you see a lot of replications of a hospital setting and an environment. And sometimes it's a bit amped up and sometimes they dress it up and they make it a type of way. But being in that moment, in that emotion, it's very real. Yeah. And you have, to, you have to acknowledge your own feelings. It's okay to be upset. Um, it's okay to cry because you're a human yeah. being. You're not a robot. I think I would be scared if I was a parent and God forbid I went through what these people have gone through and the nurse didn't show emotion. I think it'd be weird. You know, it would be yeah. strange. Like so people, I kind of feel like, yeah. Like people have their different ways of coping, but, you know, don't let that stop you from letting it out, doing what you need to do to deal with it. Because as like something I've always heard, nurses we do an extraordinary job in an ordinary world. Like Diane said, like we're with people throughout the most life-changing events, whether it's births and deaths, we are there. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be real with yourself and be honest with yourself. And, you know, if you need to take that time out, take that time out because your team also wants to know that you're happy, you're well enough to come to work. Mm. And like, regardless of the situation, you could have seen some really horrific, horrific things. And you know what? That may not mm. be the time that you need to be back in work the following day. So alongside with that, I'd also say like protect your mental health. Um, what else would I recommend? Depending on the case, depends on who you can talk about the case with. Um, but this also goes in line with like your coping mechanisms sometimes just discussing it with someone who's impartial 
can also be best. And I think my last point, just be true to yourself. Whatever happens, no one is out to get you. You can only say what you have seen and been through. No one else can force you to say a certain thing. You just have to be open and honest. And if you don't know, you don't know. And if you don't remember, you don't remember. Yeah, definitely. So I'd say those are my tips in regards to an inquest. But please, please, if you are being called up, do check out the pages on the RCN websites and stuff about like how to prepare and what initially like the courtroom looks like. Like I honestly thought it was going to be something that I've seen on TV and it wasn't. So, which was quite helpful to me. And if you've known people who, like, if you've known people who have worked, for example, in the coroner's service or have experience attending something like this before, honestly, just speak to them. It will help so much. It puts puts you at a bit of ease because you're not fretting about what is to come. And it's pretty useful. Most definitely. But, yeah. But I think, yeah, there's a, I think it's been, it's so nice to talk about something like this. Oh gosh, nice is a very odd word to say, but in a way that it's not something that happens often. No. And it's a, these are the kind of stories that you hear in uni being spoken about by your lecturer or by a guest speaker. And it's happened to them years and years and years ago. And I think you don't believe it or you don't understand it, I guess, so you hit, might hear somebody that you can relate to. So yeah. You can imagine being in their feet, in their position and what it would have been like. And like Judy said, it's a constant reminder of being accountable and remembering what you should do and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm so happy that you shared with us. I know, no, it's fine. And Hopefully, make sure you write, make sure you write a reflection on this for your revalidation. Oh yeah, this is definitely going to go with it, going, definitely going in there. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants any support, any signposting, feel free to hit me up. Again, I'm, I've only been to one. Um, but I'm happy to share if someone else is, has been called up and they want to talk to a fellow nurse and they don't think they can talk to, you know, their own team. I'm happy, I'm happy to have that discussion and we can go through it step by step. Sorry, I can't disclose the case because I just can't. Um, legal, legal reasons, confidentiality reasons, the show shebang. But again, if people want to contact me to find out a bit more information, feel free. This is what this is why we're here to essentially talk about these things and find new ways of helping each other get through hard situations. So hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like we've had a sordid conversation. I'm really sorry, guys, but I think it's something that definitely needs to be spoken about because I can't lie, when this stress got brought up to me. I didn't know what to do, didn't know who to contact, nothing. So, again... And it's nursing. This is part of being a nurse. This is things that can happen in your career. Yeah, it's not all about the claps and, you know, the chocolates that we get. We also have the downsides to it and what else that may bring. So, here we are, really. Mm-hmm. And honestly, please, please remember, if you are going to a coroner's court, they're not trying to catch you out. They're trying to find out what would have led to this child this child or adult's death but yeah exactly. so that's my rendition about court um, coroner inquests yes. i hope it's been helpful to even if it's just one person i hope it's been helpful 
again, it's not somewhere you want to be, mm. but it does happen. So just prepare yourself. And hopefully if it does happen, you'll be able to take people with you because we weren't able to. But yeah. yeah. So guys, if you have any information or you want to ask some more questions, feel free to hit us up on our email address, which is the nursing handover podcast at gmail.com or hit me up personally and my Instagram name is it's Jen no, not it's Jody. Why do I always do this? It's oh. just Jenny Bean with three L's and two A's. And if yeah, but there's no just guys. She hasn't got just there. It's just yeah, it's at literally Jelly Bean. Just at Jelly Bean. At Jelly Bean. Yeah. Because um, it rhymes with Geraldine. If you guys haven't cl- clocked on already. Um, <laughs> and if you want to hit up Diane, her Instagram name is DD Looks. Yes. But yeah. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. If you've got more things you want to share, you want to ask again, hit us up whenever you want. We will respond. Yes, guys. Thank you so much for listening, for riding with us. Um, share, share, share. If you like what you heard, share it with your fellow friends, colleagues, people that have the same interests as you. You know, sharing is caring, guys. Yeah. So until next week, guys, take care and enjoy. See you later, peeps. Bye.